Welcome to something like that. My name is Nav. How you doing? How you feeling? The standard introduction. I uh, hope you had a wonderful month ahead. Uh, a couple of months more to go before we say goodbye to 2022. And uh, the good part about this particular podcast is every single show that there are our guests that I bring in on the podcast, you know, they're, they're bringing something really special to the show. But uh, uh, from time to time, some of these bands are mind-blowing. They'll blow your socks off. They're super awesome. And I'm lucky enough to have my guest for this particular episode. I've been wanting to chat with him for a very long time, but I was just waiting for the right time and moment to bring him on board. He is from a super group called Nadir. It's not just a band. It's a super group, literally a super group. We'll talk about that in a bit from now. And before I bring him in, don't forget to uh, subscribe, hit the subscribe button, like, do whatever you have to do, uh, the usual shit. Like, you know, if I don't say that, means then, you know, I said, wait, let me see that. But uh, fuck it. But anyway, let's get on to the show right now. Let me bring you the man, the main man himself, Ashwin Gobinath from Nadir. Hey, Ashwin. Ashwin. Oh, hello, hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Thanks man. I'm good. It's a pleasure. I've been wanting to do this for a very long time. So it's okay if I call you Ash, right? Is that what they call yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what everybody calls me. Yeah, good, man. You are from the super group, man, Nadir, and it's not the only the band. Before you even get into the band, you're a man who wears many hats. Yeah, yeah. You I'm, are a music, musician, so, you're a producer, you this, you that. So I'm going to just break it down right now. Just find out who exactly you are or what is it that you do. <laughs> you know, I just got to know because you, you seem to be everywhere, man. Yeah, um, well... I think it started from a very early age, thanks to, of course, my parents and my my mom being a multi sort of talented person. And she was, um, I mean, growing up, she was a teacher, she was an insurance agent and she was in theater. And um, yeah, she was doing a lot of different things back in Penang. Wow. And she worked for the government at one point and a lot of different other things. And then my dad um my dad designed speakers and his music collection was huge and i i grew up listening to when i was really young i think maybe six or seven i was already listening to led zap grand funk railroad wow. uh, world music al Jarreau, uh you know uh jazz blues the uh, the whole shebang and i was exposed to all of that from a very early age and especially you know the the audiophiles here will love this it was on lps it was on records. My dad used to listen to records. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, he progressed on to CDs. <clears throat> and uh, my dad played drums a little bit also. Mm -hmm. So when I was in school, I picked up the drums and self-taught. And then I joined the school band, um, the school marching band, of course. And then uh, I was exposed to a whole different world of music there with classical music and um you know, concert jazz kind of stuff. And then um, and then I realized that, you know, I, I want to do this for a living, not necessarily music, but because at the time when I was 16 or 15, I started playing underground gigs with okay. my... That's, yeah, I, that's yeah, very young. I had a, I had a metal band, uh, underground metal band, and I started 15. playing... Yeah. <laughs> I, I could imagine playing. what kind of student you were in school, man. <laughs> I started off great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I started playing in Penang in like at the Studio Green Hall and hanging out with the sound guys. Okay. And eventually I was talking to my dad and my mom and then they were like, you know, why don't you try doing um, this audio thing? And okay. so we the next thing I know, I ended up in um, Australia. Uh, but before that, I was also in the music and drama society in school. Whoa. Is yeah, there things so, that you don't do? Uh? God, bro, I don't do rocket science. <laughs> 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 oh, man. You see, if you've been doing almost everything that a guy could imagine, it would take a lifetime to do. You pretty much did it before you even reached 21, man. Uh, no, like, it was more like I just wanted to try everything. And okay. whatever that I felt like doing, I just wanted to do. Um, it was never like, I want to be amazing at, at this. It was always, I want to try everything. But oh, then okay, okay, yeah. focus came when um, I went to SAE in Byron Bay in Australia. And oh, you were SAE student? Yeah, this was in that 2004. Explains, that explains <laughs> a lot, man. That explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I went, I went over to Australia and then, you know, the whole, the typical story, you go there when you're 17 and then you... You know, your mind, it 
grows, it evolves, you change, you you find yourself as a person, and um, and the experiences that I had over there, and um, being exposed to, especially all my friends who were all in their mid twenties and above, you know. Mm-hmm. So at that young age, I was already very like exposed to the real world, in okay. that sense, and also professionals who are working in the industries who were coming to do their degrees and diplomas. You know okay, what I mean? Okay, okay. So it wasn't just like fresh-faced students. There were some of my classmates. I had a 50-year-old classmate who had been working in the industry for like 30 years. Okay. And, you know, he used to work with bands like um, uh, Silverchair, um, Pete Mayer, a lot of all these, these big guys in Australia. So... Mm-hmm. And and just learning from there, the the passion for audio, audio engineering, really like shot to the skies. Nice, and man. at that, and I think when I was eighteen, I was working on an SSLG console, which is like the cream of the crop kind of thing. And that was like my baby for for a year plus, doing so many sessions on that, and that really sort of made me appreciate what I had over there mm, because most people start off on a small interface, a small laptop, and then progress onwards up until they get to the console. <clears throat> but me being Malaysian and being over there, it was the other way around. I started off learning on this big ass console, you know, <laughs> and recording like 10 piece bands and then coming back to Malaysia and then starting from zero. You know what I mean? Oh man. Um, oh, yeah. Frustrating, isn't it? A bit, a bit, but I think when I came back to Malaysia, I finished my degree and everything. Um, I started working with um, Freddy Fernandez. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I started working with him, and then from there I moved to Astro. I was in Astro for three years, and mm. uh, I was just learning, like, learning different things. You know, I in with Freddy, I learned commercials and advertising stuff, and then uh, in Astro, of course, you learn radio production and the the good thing about going and working in Astro, aside from you know like what people say, Astro is a really fucked up place to work in. But um, <laughs> the, the good thing that I took away from that was the ability to work under pressure. Okay. Uh, immense pressure. Like I give you an example. Sometimes you'll get a promo that mm-hmm. is going on air in five minutes, and the promo is non-existent yet. So you have to record the VO from the whoever announcer it is, record the VO, edit the VO, put it into 30 seconds, edit the music, put it in there, put some effects in there, pop, 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 mix, put it on air in five minutes. Whoa, whoa. This sounds like my yeah. clients when I do VOs, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, hey, I need this, man. Can you just record this? No, no, quick one, quick one. Come on, we're going to It's like, no, 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 we're going to launch it. At Eight o'clock, the event starts. So we need your voice yeah. right now. It's like, what the hell? I know, <laughs> right? The good... Yeah, but the good part is this, you're always on your toes, so which means at any yeah. situation, you know, whenever Murphy's Law kicks in, you're yeah. re- ready, you're prepared for it. So that's that's the good part about uh, being uh, working under those kind of pressures. Not many people get to do that. Because some exactly. people just break down, it's like, no, I can't do it. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> but when you, when, you have, when you have these experiences, it's, it's amazing. And uh, the best part, you get to push your limits, you get to push your boundaries Where when in the future jobs, you know. So mm-hmm. the rest would seem like a breeze for you. That's a good side of it. La. Pretty but much, just, I mean, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you see, sorry. Uh, because the thing is, uh, like you said, the, the experience that you have, the things that you do, it reflects a lot on your production. I've seen that because when I was listening to the songs, it's like, dude, this is not a guy who just makes music. He knows music. I mean, he knows sound, you know. Yeah. That's, the, that's the thing. Because like for me, uh, I'll be very honest, I don't know much of the technicalities of music arrangements and so on. But the end listener, you hear the sound, it, it, how it makes you feel and the quality of it is like, whoa, man, you really did some awesome job down there. I mean, that's the, the whole point of music, right? You, you yeah. want people to feel what you feel. And yeah. the, um, my approach to audio engineering is the same thing. I, I mix... I mix and master and record stuff according to how I feel. So I want, I want to portray that feeling in the mix. Not so uh-huh. much the, the technicalities are, of course, they're important as your building blocks. But, you know, at the end of the day, after you've done it for a long time and stuff, the technicalities don't matter anymore. 
Like yeah. you, you stop worrying about whether my mic technique is correct, whether my, you know, whether I'm mixing correctly, whether I'm doing the right EQ. Because a lot of times, it's finding those little happy mistakes that create something new and something fresh. Like okay. let's say, I'll give you an example: recording an acoustic guitar from behind the player, you know, mm-hmm. rather than in front. Um, yeah, of course it's wrong because you're not going to capture the sound, but I'm sure there's one song out there you you will eventually run into one song out there where that sound, for some reason, just suits the song. You know, true. Yeah, Led Zeppelin made a lot of Led Zeppelin yeah. did a lot of that. You know the yeah. the, uh, the echo effects and so on. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. happened. It just happened, and then it became it becomes yeah. a big hit. Uh, That's the thing. That. So my my approach is to not limit myself. In terms of following the rules, yeah, of course you have to know the basics. You have to know your craft in order for you to break the rules, you know. Ah, uh, so that's that's my approach. And I think similarly with Nadir, that was the main rule of joining okay. the band, right? Of everybody that who I got into the band, it's like there <laughs> the one rule. It's like Fight Club, lah. There are no rules. Yeah, you know, you, nice. You, you cannot limit yourself, so you have to put everything that you can put. Um, any ideas are welcome. Nothing is okay. wrong. It's just a matter of if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know. But you you also make music for a lot of people out there. I mean, you do the sound, the engineering part of it. Uh, yeah. Do do your clients uh, feel the same way? Especially, I'm talking about musicians. Yeah. They, they share the same approach. It's like no. Ah, uh, this of course, you being an engineer, you're going to say this is how it's going to be done. Ah, uh, this is how we're going to work on it. But do the uh, musicians do they share the same opinion, or do they have a different feel? Say, like, no, 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 I don't want it that way. I just want it to be in my own way. So, does that happen for you often? Um, very rarely. Uh, okay. but when it does happen, I make sure that the artist of the band that I'm working with, they have their justification for it. Okay, and if they do, then totally fair enough. It's their music, and if I'm producing it, if I'm producing the track, then yeah, we talk about it and we find common ground. Okay. Um, but for me, um, in the past maybe six years, every project uh, I take on, I I will want to produce it. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, I mean so that's the natural. This is a reputation. It's a reputation, also at the end of the day, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm putting my name on it, not just yeah. the mix and the master. I want your performance to be great. I want to bring out the best in what you do. You know, mm-hmm. uh, just based off of my experience playing music for so long and sessioning and playing different styles of music, listening to different styles of music and all the genres that are out there. <laughs> Uh, because why I'm asking you that, why, why did I ask you that? Was because I've had a chat there with a couple of sound engineers also who said okay. that it's hard to advise some of these bands. It's mm. like you know they know the sound, the engineer knows the sound, he know what it takes uh, to record the song and what when what comes in, what goes out. Uh, but at the end of the day of the year, the bands being adamant on no, this is how I want it, this is what I have in mind. Mm. So when it comes out, it comes out as a shitty quality, and then they blame the sound guy all the way. <laughs> yeah, that's a, so, that has happened a lot. I, I I understand that, and the way I've counteracted that is by before taking on the project, I have mm-hmm. meetings with the artists, okay. sit down, we go through a lot of my past work, and I explain to them the process of working with me. I explain to them the intricacies that are involved, and I explain and I show them how. The evolution works. So sometimes I'll play them a demo of a project that I've finished. I'll play okay. them a demo, and then I'll show them the final product, and they'll see like how it evolved to that final product that they said was you know fucking amazing and blah 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 blah. Then I'll tell them this is what I want to do with you guys, you know. Oh, okay. And okay. from there, the you build that trust with them, and then they are like more receptive to whatever you want to try. And in fact. Most of the time, every time I give you a good example, Christian, Christian Palencia, I just uh, yes. produced three uh, three songs. I'm producing his his line of work now, and um, the most recent song that came out, Bundle of Joy, um, he came in with the demo, and it was a very straightforward, very simple track, very nice track, but very simple. And I wanted to elevate it, right? and he. The the cool thing about Christian is he's also he's got a whole lot of ideas 
and then we shoot ideas off each other a lot you know okay. so but my idea was rather than elevating the band that's playing that means the background music we keep the background music straightforward and simple and you okay. know change the drums a bit into sort of a broken beat sort of feel just to give it some dynamics and some some uniqueness and okay. then we take the backing vocals and feature them prominently rather than okay. using them as backing vocals we use them as featured singer right okay. like so, a chorus kind of thing like like a chorus but very prominent you know not just okay. like a chorus effect but very prominent that means like it almost sounds like a lead a lead vocals but there's like layers upon layers and oh. in the end we had two um Jesse Jesh and Amy Chun great great singers and they were also featured on the track and um how we used them was in like a progressive sort of climatic way and their vocals become sort of like effect pieces that feature prominently you know and then okay. the 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 chorus the layers of the that that those vocals there are lots of harmonies happening and lots of not just harmonies of the main vocals but different lines you know then they're not just singing the exact same thing they're singing different things they're doing oohs and ahs they're doing vocal effects rises that kinds of stuff uh those kinds of things and by adding those you really create a lot of interest and you know um variety la to the song nice man i yeah. seriously listening to you talk or mention about how this thing works i just want to say take my money man just take my money you know the kind of thing is like it it is, it is fascinating <laughs> man it is i wish i knew how to sing i knew how to make music and so on man <laughs> because it is that the, these are the things that are always um i want to say advice I always suggest to all the bands that come on board because knowing the industry for over 20 years Now you see yeah. a lot of people come in and come that but priority on the exact sound the quality of the sound uh which is not really uh, focused on and most of the bands out there yeah. see the, your simple explanation this past even 5 minutes for a mm. song it's yeah. like there's so much of details involved in that to make it the perfect sound the perfect Definitely. sound because you're not only going to look at the local market it's not just about the radio down here you want to take yeah. it to an international level to a certain extent you want yeah. the world to sh- listen to the whole sound of it and mm-hmm. to feel appreciate the whole works because it's not just about listeners it's all about you know maybe some of the talent or agencies you know a lot of things are involved in that so emphasizing on good quality makes a whole lot of difference because recently there's this one guy or other band guy kind of thing he's good i'm not going to mention names yeah. he was awesome he was soft i love his music he was kind of unique uh he was different from the rest of them but sadly when he produced the track he made recorded the song i i heard his previous albums and then i heard the reason one because he changed the engineer or whatever it just killed it man mm. it just killed the entire song the entire album which kind of made him look and sound bad in the particular mm. album was it was just a waste the whole album was just yeah. a waste because it was not produced properly that's the But, thing bro i mean like i in malaysia right i'm i'm for me my my personal opinion is that i'm just tired of people from everywhere else saying you know malaysians can't produce quality stuff in fact if you talk to if you go outside and you go to the uk you go to australia and stuff and you you jam with musicians right you realize malaysians actually because we are a huge sort of um fusion of different cultures right so we are actually exposed to so many types of music and that becomes apparent in our playing and yeah. our ability to not just musicians but our artists uh, everybody you know singers dancers actors everyone where where we're very diverse in our choices yeah. in our styles but the problem is that a lot of people here the mentality is not up to par you know so mm-hmm. they they have this mentality of um let's just say okay let's just say in music right for recording you get a band that comes in there's a lot of this mentality that oh my job is just recording my job is just mixing you know okay. uh and the 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 quality that you want to put into the product is dependent on your job title which i think is ridiculous i feel like no matter anywhere down the production line everyone should be wanting the best out of that product it doesn't matter if you're an intern like i have interns and 
sometimes when I'm working on a film or a TV series or whatever, and they come in and they listen, I ask for their ideas. I ask them what they think because every opinion matters. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter because it does. Even an uneducated opinion is still valid because that's coming from a different point of view. It's not coming from an educated point of view. It's coming from a different point of view. It's and not the technical, the end user kind of uh, view. Yeah, so it's important to take all these things into account. So the same applies to. A lot of um, see the difference. I feel like in the US, in the UK, in Australia, in all the Western countries, and blah blah, even Thailand also, is that the people who work, a producer who works on a job, they take their work very, very um, seriously, very passionately. You know, so that if they're working on something and they're going to put their name on it, it has to reflect the very best of what they can do, the very best of their mm-hmm. capabilities. And a lot of people here are complacent, you know. Okay. Yeah, but there are a lot of producers and engineers here who have that mindset, who are amazing and are great at what they do. And the the collective of sorts, you know, okay. the people like Rosan, people like JD, you know, all these guys, they they have that right mentality, and that's why what they do is always good. Ah, cool. You see what I mean? Uh, ah, yeah, so because. Because they say, like, see, it's also uh, even the mentality is one thing of it, and uh, of course, at the very same time, time, price tag, that plays a, a role in that all too, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the but at the same time, I I used to be of the opinion that you know, if you don't have a budget, then I'll just work with that budget and just do a simple job, lah. You know, mm-hmm. this was when I was very young, when I was in my early twenties. And then after a short while, I realized that you—that is the reason why our industry keeps struggling and suffering. You know, no yeah, one, no one wants yourself for it. Yeah, and no one wants to take a chance anymore. Like, whenever I get people with a low budget, what I tell them is, let's work out a way we can make this work with okay. that budget. And what I do is like. Let's say they only have a budget of let's say three k to to do like four songs, for example. Okay. That's that's absolutely shit, right? And if you were to approach someone who is a bit full of themselves, they look at you and tell you to fuck off, lah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> But true story. <laughs> But the thing is, there are two points to this. One is you will always find someone who will record, mix, and master and do your single or whatever for you for two hundred fifty ringgit. You know, and yes, that spoils the market definitely. And the product that comes out is not going to be up to par. It's not going to be great. It's just going to be a there. You know. Okay. But then, with these guys that I produce and with these people that I I want to help, what I'm doing is they come in, they give me their budget, and if the budget I feel is too low, what I do is I tell them we work out an installment deal. Fair so enough. Fair enough. There's there's no interest, nothing, but I'll charge you. A decent price that works for both you and for me without killing the market, without spoiling the market. That's fair. Right? That's very and, fair. Yeah, and you give them the chance, and they, it, they, they're not going to stress out about it. They're not going to be struggling, you know. As it is with musicians, we are struggling musicians in Malaysia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's sad, but it it yeah. happens, man. And the thing is, you're investing in them. Because what's going to happen is they're going to come, they're going to record with you. I want to, I give them the great, the greatest of times, and they learn. They always learn because I'm always teaching people. I'm always teaching whatever I can teach. You know, I may not be the best at what I do, but I know my value. I know my worth, and I know what I can offer these people. So anyone who comes to record or work with me, they're going to come out of it with a lot more knowledge than they came in. You know, that's that's something that a lot of people need because it's not just about I make music, I just sing, yeah. I just perform. But mm-hmm. you want to know the uh, what happens behind the scenes of coming up with a good yeah. product. That's exactly. that's very important. And the way you mentioned, like you don't compromise on the quality just because of the qualities uh, quantity of dollars and cents. Exactly. So that, that is that should be a priority for any band for that matter. And mm-hmm. I've also yeah, advised a lot of guys because you need to save up a little bit if you want to produce a track mm. get ready to make that money i save that yeah. money up before you come up with it so it's either you focus on the music or you focus on yeah. the music video 
you know yeah. either or but the sound is important so you got to pay attention see, what, to that what's going to happen also is now i've done them this favor right they know the worth they know that it's worth this much and it's this good quality the next mm-hmm. time they come back to me they're going to come back prepared not just from a musical standpoint financially too yeah. you know and you then know they you're know paying you're paying yeah for. they know what they're paying for already and then i can then we can work very well you know what i mean but that initial point i always want to help these people who come because otherwise they're going to go to these people who are charging 100 200 ringgit and get shit quality and they're they're just going to assume that that's that's all they're worth yeah. you know the difference that's... between a great band and a good band is production <laughs> very true i agree with you 300% on that part but there's also this thing that uh, as of lately uh, thanks to the pandemic and all um i i appreciate bands churning out more music you know the thing is being consistent of coming out with more music back to back and so on and of course yeah. the affordability not everybody can so yeah. there is a growing trend or rather these it has been growing in a, for, for a while now which is the uh, bedroom producers mm. a lot of bedroom producers are there out there so you yeah. just come in and make music and just release it make music release it <laughs> with whatever limited knowledge that i have uh, because mm-hmm. the thing is the idea is i just want to make music i don't yeah. want to have a long gap so what's your take on that one so i feel like there are the term producer a lot of people have sort of mangled the term and they mm-hmm. don't understand what the term producer is um from a very surface level i personally think it's great that there are more people making music from home mm-hmm. um the the reality is not everyone can afford to come to a studio and work True. in a studio and spend those, those many many hours working with a producer or working with an engineer and you know and most studios charge by the hour you know and looking at an average of 150 to 250 ringgit an hour which you know in today's economy it's it's quite bad shape lah right <laughs> no that is the price that we should be charging because that is how much our time is worth right true yeah but the term producer i feel like people are just misusing it like for me i can only i only realistically call myself a producer because what i do with artists is not just record mix and master but i come in i listen to their music i go to their shows watch them play live i understand their philosophy behind their music i understand the mentality of it and then when they come in we work on demos a lot you know we build up <clears throat> the idea of the song i don't want you to take your live set and just put that down on tape okay no that's that's not the idea of coming up with a song of producing a song you get a producer in to work to take that idea that you have of this song and really flourish it you know so yeah, that's what yeah. i do with with bands with artists whoever who comes in even if you're coming just to record vocals i will make sure that that vocal recording represents the soul of the song the soul of the artist you know every emotion that you're trying to convey you have to put that in right and that's what a real producer is so like if you you take rick rubin for example and what he does oh what he did with uh, chili peppers right um very similar he took a bunch of guys who were just having fun on stage right and disciplined the shit out of them and <laughs> produced one of the best albums of the the 20th century you know so exactly yeah and and that's how i view it and of course there are producers who like produce beats i think they should be called beat makers that's right? the word that's the term yeah. that should be called because yeah. the, like what you said I, i've always got myself i'm i'm guilty of it i'm guilty of consume, assuming what's a producer is like i just produce mm. a track okay i'm a, i'm a, i'm a producer you know uh, it's like a yeah. musician or other beat maker that's a different thing than releasing a whole track altogether yeah. yeah yeah so that's that's that happened a lot but mm. what do you say to these guys who's been consistently just are getting too comfortable with being that bedroom producers you know they said hey my music mm-hmm. still runs but it's like i can mm-hmm. just make continue making music like that and i can still just keep on making tracks after tracks after tracks without having the need in uh, yeah. for walking into a studio and getting it done properly yeah. so what what do you feel on that one i think the only thing i have to say to that is as as long as you're not being complacent 
and just resting on your laurels lah you know a lot of okay. people are very happy doing the same thing year after year after year right but i i don't agree with that i don't agree with that philosophy i i think the way you progress as a human being mentally spiritually physically anything is to constantly evolve and evolution doesn't mean change mm-hmm. you know necessarily evolution means exploring new ideas exploring new concepts trying out new things and if you are a, be- a bedroom producer who just makes hip hop beats and you're using the same 808s all the time and you're doing that for 4 5 years you know That's you literally you're just a machine you're not um creative person anymore you know is so forgotten? you can say that yeah sure but but i feel personally as a, if you want to say like you're a producer and all that you've got to constantly be evolving you've got to constantly be wanting to you know level up your craft and like the studio is basically your end point in terms of production and you want to level up you need to be constantly coming out with new ideas and also learning the craft of the studio work and you know yeah so for me even today like even though i i've been doing this for a long time every day i'm learning i'm learning new things i still sometimes i still watch um youtube videos on you know your basic stuff uh, basic audio theories uh, different ways of compressing you know even though i know exactly what they're doing i just watch it to reinforce all my ideas all my theories you know and then when you watch how people work and you watch even the simplest of things like doing an eq you know yeah. and you can always learn something you know and even with uh, my interns for example like i get them to work on composition pieces for film and tv and then when i review their work i always ask them to explain why they do what they do okay and if you can explain from top to bottom why you do what you do then your thought process is there and creatively you're you're stimulating that right but if fair enough if it's just a hantam thing you're just like oh just because it sounds nice you know we do that a lot with with nadir <laughs> you know but <laughs> but um in terms of in terms of improving and growing as a let's say a bedroom producer or an, an a person who's starting out right the only way to get better is to be constantly trying to one up yourself True. rather very than true. just being happy with where you are which is very easy to do because the moment two or three people tell you that you know bro your mix is great you know your oh this is nice you're, you're immediately you're like you think like okay la i'm done ready i know i know what i'm doing you know what i mean like <laughs> i had that feeling but yeah. because I, i like for me uh, apart from doing this i also do voice over as mc uh, you know public speaking training and so on yeah. so you you have to get the uh, third third party view or you have to watch others not to say that oh you want to copy them or anything but this way you learn what to do and yeah. what not to do Yeah. It's like you can pick up the good things and it's like okay infuse some of your ideas and create something new altogether instead of just like okay, la, bro, we've, we've been humbled too many times la. Yeah like, so me in my career evolve. yeah I've yeah. been humbled too many times because I I got to a point where I was complacent uh, rested on my laurels and then the I think there's a key moment for me was um, when my band we were we were going to put out the album art for one of our songs back in the day and um i i i also draw i love doing art and stuff like that and i had done up a mock up of this de- design and i had showed it to the group to our whatsapp group the band group and um i thought it was fucking amazing i thought it was great i thought like <laughs> oh yeah this represents us perfectly you know what i mean had this mandala design and everything you know nice font with the words and everything And then I sent it to a group and they all hated it. <laughs> and <laughs> and and that to me was a very pivotal moment because that was the first time I didn't take offense to it or not not okay. really take offense but just felt Shock something plan. a bit uh, I didn't feel I was just like oh, okay cool no worries let's move on let's try something new. You know so immediately I tried working on something new. And what that did to me mentally it's just it just changed you immediately you know you don't realize it only in hindsight you realize that Wow. From that point, which was like I don't know 5 or 6 years ago, that was the point when I I went all right. Every time I don't do something well, 
try again lah. Keep trying. Keep trying until yeah, it because works. you learn something new every time you try again. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not. It's not that you stick to one thing. It's like if everything is perfect in whatever you do, then you'll never evolve. You never come up with new ideas, yeah. new concepts, new creativity and <laughs> stuff. Exactly. It's like that's that's. I mean, pretty, literally, that's happening for every single thing that's going around. Mm. But I'm also curious. Okay, apart from the sound engineering thing and so on, and yeah. Nadir, was there a band in between those things? Oh, there was. Was there like? Was it like? <laughs> was it like just after the sound engineering, or while the sound engineering, you just jumped, created Nadir, or was just like were you in other bands? Because I know you session for a couple other guys out there too. Yeah. But so, all, was there any other band involved? Uh, okay, so basically, throughout my time in KL, I moved to KL in two thousand seven, late two thousand seven. Okay. Excuse me. And um, I, of course, started playing with my friend Ray from Penang. And we started, you know, doing the pub scene, playing pubs and playing shows. And then in between, I would session for other people. I think okay. my first ever uh, accidental sessioning work was with Liana Fizi. <laughs> okay. And, you know, and uh, and then from there, I started moving on, and I started just playing for whoever you know needed a drummer. And um, of course, I started uh, different bands along the way. I think my first band that I I started was um, Black Light Bulb. Okay. So this, this band called Black Light Bulb. It started off as a funk, R and B neo soul band, and then we played Penang jazz. Um, and then our singer left, and then we we did a U turn and we pivoted into progressive rock slash progressive metal. Yeah, and okay, we that's, just that's a huge jump, man. Yeah, I know it was crazy, and it's the same band, uh, by the way. Yeah, that's Name what I'm him, but our style just completely changed. So we had put out the one single called Purple Pouch, which is that R&B, funk, soul, like nice and like, oh, vocals and shit. And that sounds like Prodigy. <laughs> yeah, and then we just <laughs> about turned and uh, started doing uh, prog rock, you know. Oh, okay. And um, that band, and that it was a great band. I love playing in that band. Uh, then we disbanded and... Um, Eventually, I moved on and I started this band. I didn't start this band. I joined this band called Box Vocal. Okay. Uh, this was with a close friend of mine, Rashdan Hari, and this was his sort of singer-songwriter band, lah. Right? He okay. had his own solo stuff, but we we repackaged everything into this name of Box Vocal, and then uh, we put out an EP, and then um, the guitarist left, and I was like. Okay lah, you know, let's let's see what we can do. Let's work with what we've got, and then that became Rajan Harith Ben, right? And oh, okay. we played his songs, and eventually, after and all this time, I of course was sessioning with other people. Um, I also joined the band Cats in Love. Oh, there, okay. uh, yeah. Yes, I know. Harding and all that. Right? Yeah. Uh, no, this is no, no, with, sorry, uh, Lohan. 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 Yeah, and um, this is a '60s, '70s funk rock. Uh, band. yeah yeah and um, that was a great experience for me and i'm still involved with the band i'm their mixing and mastering engineer okay. and whenever their drummer can't play the show i will step in i was okay. with them for about seven seven years very long time um and that band was the band that um taught me the importance of the metronome <laughs> oh really as a drummer If you can't play to a metronome, um, you you really need to check those things out, lah. You know, you need to get get that sorted. Um, and with Cats in Love, every rehearsal was with a metronome. Okay. Shows at the start was with a metronome. I would play with the metronome inside, you know, and it was tight, tight, tight. Everything was super tight, and that's ironic considering the fact that uh, back in the day. When you're talking about playing songs by Grand Funk Railroad and a lot yeah. of or- original songs in the vein of those bands, uh, okay. Tommy Bolin and you know uh, Ziggy, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Uh, back in the day, they weren't playing with metronomes; they were just naturally tight. You know, yeah. like look at Mitch Mitchell's, um, like all these guys—they're amazing, right? And but. Eventually, it got me to a point where I could play anything to a metronome comfortably, right? And and then it it got to a point where I would play shows where 
I'll start the song off with the metronome and then I'll just take it from there. You know? True. Uh, you have then, the consistent sound going on with the yeah, metronome. Yeah, yeah, but it's because of Cat in Love. So after I left Cat in Love, um, then during that time I was sessioning and I was doing a lot of like audio work and stuff. I got tired of playing the, the same, you know, sessioning and doing all these kind of normal genres and stuff. Uh, because of the kind of music that I was listening to at the time. Um, so I listened to all sorts of music and I am very gatal, you know, you always want to put in different styles here and there. And I could only do it in my drumming when it came to sessioning or playing in these bands. I could incorporate that. But that wasn't enough for me. I wanted the sound of the band to be like that. I wanted it to be okay. this mishmash. You just want to break and, the monotony. Like. Yeah. And um, break the rules. Like. I got tired of you know, if it's a pop song, it has to sound like pop. If it's a rock song, it has to sound like rock. Um, and we, I, we tried it in Black Light Bulb. That was the, that was the inception. We started incorporating a lot of, um, you know, ethnic sort of instrument styles and stuff like that. And then, um, then one day, uh, the guitarist of the Rashdan Hari project also decided to leave, and I was like, you know what, screw this. I want to start his new band and um the whole point of the band is to just no rules play anything we want to play we if we want to incorporate reggae with bluegrass and and metal in one song let it be you know what i mean okay. but we do it we do it well we do it well so that time my basis of course was zaim uh we started it with rashdan and okay. Then we brought in um, Steph, my keyboardist then. Okay. And then from there, we, got, uh, we brought in Adil, the saxophonist, and Farik, the guitarist. And then at that point, I was working in a company called Imaginex. Okay. And um, I had this junior engineer who had just joined the company after finishing his internship. And um, so it was, like it, it was my responsibility to train him and you know, get him up to the working level, the professional level. And uh, this bucket was getting scolding la, from me every day, you know. <laughs> like, hey, you're damn slow. You need to work faster, blah, 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 blah. But every time I would walk past the room that he was working in, my room, I'd hear um, rugs coming from the studio. Okay, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just listen, la, you know. I, I won't catch out. Even though I know the bugger's not doing his work, you know. <laughs> and then uh, eventually... Uh, one day after like a certain point, maybe three months after, I was like, not bad, are you? Very good, eh? <laughs> and I was like, you want to join my band? Eh? <laughs> and that, that was Santosh. La. Santosh oh, man. was the, um, the last, second last piece. Uh, Santosh joined and then we really took off from there. Our style became very apparent. So we started off without a style. But in that chaos of not having a style, we developed our own style. You know what I mean? Nice. Yeah, this, this is cultural just one thing. thing. Yeah, because that not only not only in your music, but also in your name, choosing the name Nadir, it yeah. has a, 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 I don't know, there's a long list of meanings to that sound. Depends mm -hmm. on different languages. Exactly. You know, if it's English, it means something different. If it's the Malay, it's something different. Uh, you can just pop in, I think, I don't know, about four or five languages in between that. So I was a bit like, which is which now for this band? Because on uh, the website, yes, it meant, it meant something else. Yeah. But uh, it also has a double meaning with the same spelling on that, that uh, name. So mm -hmm. which one is it for your band? So it's everything, bro, because we were coming up with the name and I, I knew the English translation of the word Nadir, right? I knew what yeah. Nadir means in English. And that is the lowest point of the of an astronomical observer yeah. blah, blah, blah. apex is the top nadir is the bottom philosophically it means of course that it's the lowest point a person can yeah. be in yeah. yeah um at that point it felt like we were all in our lowest points musically because we were in a rut we were in this creative rut of like jade being jaded and you know being bored with playing music and well, some of my members were like you know i'm i'm not gonna play music anymore like no, I, okay. I'm just going to focus on my career, blah, 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 blah. And um, then we did more, I did more research into the name Nadir and realized, you know, in Malay, Nadir means rare, right? Yeah. Uh, guess Nadir. And then, exactly. uh, yeah, in Arabic, I think it means my beloved. 
So, and it's got a lot of these different meanings. And the name itself, Nadir, just just sounds nice. Sounds cool. Actually, so we're like, that's like, yeah. that's like okay, which which is kind of nice. It's like one name that has different. Uh, how mm-hmm. do I put this? Uh, uh, perceptions, how meaning, yeah, connotation. Yeah. How you want to look at it, it is up to you. If you want to look at and, a band of this meaning, and you go ahead with that, or the other way yeah. around. And that's how our music is. Also, you know, it can take yeah. on many forms for different people. Like if someone is not exposed to the style of music that we do, and they listen to it, they'll go, "Whoa, what the hell did I just hear?" You know? Yeah. And that's they... exactly how I felt when I first heard the tracks. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding you. Okay. Now is my turn to actually express what I feel about Nadia sure. right now. I'm not going to hold back, okay? I'm not going to hold uh, back. So where the, all I'm going to say is, where the fuck were you guys all my life, man? <laughs> Seriously, it's like, I have been searching for a band that sounds like this. Because the last time I've experienced um, something like this or something close to this was yeah. uh, during the Zainal Abidin era. Mm. You, get, you yeah. get what I mean, yeah. right? It's like, that's yeah. where you have the whole session feel. You had the adult contemporary feel where there's R&D, yeah. a mix of everything. It was a huge gap. I mean, yeah. you might have some live bands performing in such a way or whatever like that, but yeah. it's not consistent on that, uh, that, mm-hmm. that manner. Mm-hmm. But when it yeah. came to Nadir, I, had, I told you this off, uh, off air, I had goosebumps listening to your tracks. I watched Thanks. your videos for the Bonio Jazz Festival, yeah. and I was yeah. like, dude, why <laughs> are these guys not blasted on every single media platform? They are yeah. not on all the main stages in the country for shows and watch shows and so on. Because you have that, how do I put this, unique sound. When you listen to the band of Nadir, you listen to all the tracks that's going on, uh, you have that unique sound, which means I have a variety of uh, genres in one huge pot. Yeah. And it's not so obvious in the sense that it's not like if it's jazz, it's jazz only. Mm-hmm. If, it's like, uh, if it's like pop, you have that pop sound only, or rock is rock. It, it, it's... Created in such a way where it's subtle, you have yeah. the feel of all the genres in yeah. one track. You know, that's, the how, that's how I like to look at Nadir on that yeah. part. It's like, I was listening to your songs, like, uh, for example, uh, uh, Nafas. Nafas is one of my mm. favorite tracks from that track. And your latest single is also mm. a bomb. Okay, that's how I look at this whole track. Uh, then the, the Ikan Keke, that was it. Yeah. I was like going one after another. It's like, dude, <laughs> what's up, man? And then uh, what... what what was sad of all is like in the sense of uh, what else, and I wouldn't want to say sad, like, like mm-hmm. we have many different reasons for it. Yeah. YouTube views and, uh, you know, Spotify view hits and all. It's like, it doesn't justify. Yeah. It doesn't justify at all. It's like yeah. something's wrong with the system. <laughs> you know, something is absolutely yeah. wrong with the system. I had crappier stuff that was going on hundreds of thousands or millions of views and all. I was like, what did this, these guys do wrong? I mean, what I think. Our... I mean, okay. To answer your first point, the the reason why we we've got that nailed down in terms of the combination of styles is because, um, like I said earlier, there are no rules. We we mm. don't. I don't want any of my band members, my my teammates, my family. I don't want them to have to change who they are to be a part of this family, right? Nice. You know, we we we're not just bandmates. We are best friends. We know each other's families. We know each okay. other's children, uh, parents, you know, that kind of stuff. So when you think of it like your own family, right? The moment one of your family members starts being different, you know something's wrong. Uh-huh. Right? Same thing applies in the music. Like Farik, our guitarist, amazing producer, uh, multi-talented, multi-faceted in terms of genres, but he's a metal guy at heart. Okay. So whenever he plays anything in the band, any ideas that he gives in, um, I don't want him to think of those ideas from a jazz point of view or from a fusion point of view or from a pop or a rock or anything point of view. I want him to just write music. Okay. What he wants to write. And then bring that in without, without having to like, oh, okay, maybe because this is a pop band, you know, we... We tone this down or what? No, no toning down. Okay. Anything that you want to do, do, we will mold around it. So everyone does the same exact thing. Nobody changes, you know, who they are to try and fit in. You know, exactly who you are, your style, bring that in. You know, then from there, we start molding around each other. And once you do that long enough, 
it becomes a habit it becomes easy and you know each other's style we got the chemistry so the moment farik starts doing this metal riff i know what i'm going to do already to supplement ah. that to to, to 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 what do you call this complement that right okay. and the moment i do that my basis he already has something up his sleeve that is unique to him but is the nadir sound ah yeah. so you so, have that perfect gelling going on among each other yeah yeah anything we write also it it's already habit already we know how to do it straight away of course there are that that times where some songs will kick you in the ass and you're like what to do here but then <laughs> everybody else also has ideas okay we always help each other out with things like we'll tell um uh, farik like you know chug here and then from there turn it into something then after that um the keyboardist or zaim will tell me the drums try this and then it you see it's constantly evolving it's constantly moving forward you know so like you're you're never in a position where you're playing the same thing over and over again you know okay, so okay, that okay, okay. my philosophy in life also lah so the band has adopted that and then so to answer collective your, input in whatever creation or the creativity of the band collective input uh, should i say that yeah it is because we all write music together Oh, okay, okay and okay, even okay. if let's say uh, nafas for example farik wrote the song and his mm-hmm. wife ada wrote the lyrics okay. right and he had that rough structure of the song he brought it to the band and we listened to it and we we're like okay i know what i want to add here i know what we can add here i know what we can do here and then we built the song up that way you know but okay. sometimes like a lot of the first album everything was written just by us jamming along in the studio coming up with spontaneous ideas on the spot recording that one hour long jam okay. continuous one hour long jam where ideas are going left right center mars jupiter uranus and back <laughs> and uh, going back home listening to it over and over again and listening to parts that sound good and like okay. oh this sounds damn cool cut that out this is an idea cut that out this is an idea or put things together and go oh damn you know what i mean okay uh, okay okay kind of like the way you guys work man Yeah it's not and like this like okay, I wrote the song we got to play only this it's ah, like no. it's it yeah. uh the creative process evolved through the jamming session yeah. okay that explains a lot through your music because like like I said earlier I was just going uh, I have this habit okay uh, despite knowing the band knowing the music uh right before I have my conversation on the podcast I always uh, go back to the music listen to it fresh so I just want to have the whole fresh feel and I was listening to it this morning it's like dude <laughs> why did I miss all this one man I was like this is supposed to be on loop we supposed to be going over and over again on my Spotify playlist and uh, it was amazing it's like all I would say every single track that I was listening on the uh, the, the playlist was mm. amazing so which which is something that uh, being from the event industry myself uh, these these are the kind of music that you want to represent Malaysia at international music festivals i mean yeah. you have done it of course you have done yeah. uh, the Borneo Jazz Festival you have performed in uh, China are uh, you t- uh, touring in China And yeah. you also were in Cambodia for the water yeah. festival uh, about what 10,000 people over there okay so yeah. you you've been in those kind of places and that's where you want to take the entire band to more touring mm-hmm. uh, more representation of Malaysia but at the very same time uh, you also need uh, help or rather support from the uh, media per se yeah. so that is that's something that is missing currently that's mm. uh, why do you think that's happening in, the, in such a way uh i think i mean of course the obnoxious answer would be to say that oh they're not ready for us or whatever but i think the truth is that the first that that phase one of the band we were just really focused on the music and okay becoming the best that we could be and mm-hmm. performing and and you know it was baby steps lah we were still growing as a band we were still then we had a few mishaps along the way like our first lead singer Rashdan he left the band um okay. then we spent a lot of time in limbo having session uh session singers working with us and of course we had a great friend of ours Bichu who was helping us for a long time as okay. a lead as a lead singer uh and thank thankfully for her we we could keep going on because she fit with the songs and she learned everything and she did it extremely well but um she has her own solo career that she's focused yeah. on so it's not fair of us to ask her to commit to the band you know what i mean so of course we had to search for a singer and eventually um i 
Santosh, Santosh and I, Santosh actually recommended me to talk to this girl called Beverly. Beverly Matuja. Maya Bayu. Maya Bayu, yeah. And yes. uh, found, I found her. I spoke to her. We had a meeting and she was keen to join the band and try this because at that point, she was also going through this thing where she was a bit lost and she, she was tired of her singer-songwriter image and she wanted to explore and she wanted to grow and try different things, which is exactly in line with what we are, right? And she joined and then um, I was telling her, you know, like, incorporate more of your heritage into the music, into what you do, you know? And then she kept, she kept doing that and then, you know, she became Maya Bayu and she had her own thing. And um, so, of course, there's growing pains involved with, with the whole process, but okay. our growing pains lasted like four or five years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time, man. I know, I know. But, you know, um, we, 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 still, we still kept going, kept going, never stopped. And um, I think we were just very focused on the music and performing rather than the whole, you know, social media aspect and the whole uh, marketing and promotion side of it. Um, and yeah, you can call it a bit old school uh, because we're all old farts or so. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, but I think with this new album, we're doing things a bit differently, not from the music side, but from the marketing and promotional side. So okay. hopefully, yeah, things get much better. Uh. The, the thing is, uh, also I've noticed uh, the tracks that uh, you, like I said earlier, you're, ta you're taking things to the international level, a different market altogether. Yeah. Um, the songs that you have produced, a majority of it are in Bahasa Malaysia or mm. in Malay. So are you having plans or maybe the upcoming album that has English tracks or anything yeah, of that sort? We, actually, our first album has about three English songs. Uh, one is called Losing It, another, called, another is called Why Do We Cry, and then there's uh, Synesthesia. And uh, I think there's one more I can't remember, but yeah. So the new album is a uh, it's equally balanced. There's like Malay songs and English songs, same like five and five, I think. Nice. I just yeah. hope you have a nice PR team to work on that. Are you going to mm. focus on that part too? Yeah, definitely, bro. And yeah, because uh, that's that's something I really look forward for. Because like I said earlier, uh, it is important. No matter how good you are in whatever you do, you still need to sell it out there. And yeah. you need that one person to do it because I know some guys, really crappy singers, but their PR work, oh my gosh, they're like everywhere on the planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's, that's one thing that, because you have something, I wouldn't want to use the word good, you have something phenomenal. Your band, Nadir, your music is phenomenal and the world needs to listen to it. The entire country needs to listen to it. And I hope you get the right PR guy to just spread the word for you, man. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you. <laughs> you gotta have that, man. We shall. It's we like, shall. But, yeah, and for those who are listening in right now, especially my buddies from the event scene and shows, festival, concert promoters, they, if you want something really good on stage, you got to get in touch with these flips, man. Seriously, I was just ah, mind blown on your jam sessions on YouTube. You can just take a look. I'll try to post that in uh, this particular website. Uh, have a glimpse of what they have. It's just a glimpse. It's not yeah. even the full show yet, which is I don't know, man. I can also, just go I, on and I on. I forgot to mention earlier that, like, we started off as a seven-piece, right? And then we added um, Simi, our my other keyboardist from a different band, from Black Light Bulb, actually. And okay. then she joined the band, and a lot of people were going like, what the hell? Why do you have two keyboardists? <laughs> you know? But it worked out perfectly. That's, that's also a big reason of why we sound the way we sound is because we have these two keyboardists who are both amazing and who are both like they're both interlocking perfectly and they do these crazy you know ideas with each other and they're like the two you know the two girls in the band yeah. they're like hee hee like that uh, <laughs> that's <the> them, like. <laughs> no actually there was something i wanted to ask were you play having plans of uh, having more members and turning out to be like ub40 or earth wind and fire you know <laughs> bro if if we have a live show that has the right budget right we can go up to 15, 16 people, bro. Ooh, yeah, we could be man. our main collective. Yeah, our main core members are the eight of us. Um, okay. And then we have our auxiliary members like Hariram. Uh, he's a violinist and um, amazing um, uh, gambus player and a classical Indian dancer and singer too. You know, and he joins us. 
we've got um, Kiran on sita, we've got Divesh on Indian percussions, we've got a whole shebang of other people who are auxiliary members, like I call them, okay. you know, the extended family. So if we have a big show that we really want to impress, like we're targeting to play Rainforest next year. Nice. Um, oh yes, that would be a perfect yeah. spot, man. And um, if we get that, and if the budget permits, we can bring in a whole shebang of, I, I call it the the fusion orchestra, basically. So it's like oh. classical Indian and some modern um, fusion instruments. You know what I'll I mean? I'll fly down there, man. I'll definitely yeah. fly down. If I see your name <laughs> in the list, I'm flying down. Because your music, that environment, that ambience, ah, perfection, man. That's what you need to check out the whole band. I, yeah. I don't mean to sound like a fanboy or something like that. but hey, It's okay, it bro. Fanboy away. <laughs> <laughs> no, because seriously, it's, it's very rare you come across something that blows your mind off. It's like, so mm-hmm. for me, I've been... I've been a fan of the local industry for a very, very long time. Since, yeah. I don't know, 90s or uh, since I was young. Uh, that was yeah. ancient time ago when dinosaurs were walking <laughs> uh, But, you know, I've been a fan of it. And uh, like I said, from time to time, you have one or two bands that just appear and just blows your mind off. Because it's, it's, not, about, it's not about just about sounding good or awesome yeah. and things like that. It's just that they have something unique to bring mm-hmm. on to the table. Yeah. You know, it's like you have your commercial stuff. You have your your normal radio airplay stuff and so on. But then again, when you listen to the details of the song and you notice that so many levels or layers incorporated into that one particular song or that one particular band, you'd really know that this band has put in so much of effort to sound the way they are. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, and you guys are one of it, definitely. And, um, and individually as band members, you all have uh, something special for each and every one of you. And uh, please do help me uh, clear this down. Uh, Santosh was involved in Mat Kila also, right? Yeah, was Santosh. This Santosh? Okay, yeah, this is, uh, Santosh was the this composer. This is the Santosh, right? And, yeah, and then uh, Nadi Studios, we mastered and distributed the the soundtrack. Okay, that that's yeah. something I wanted to clear because I, I read it somewhere and just like, okay, I got to ask this guy about this particular mm-hmm. vision just to yeah. verify that. Okay, hey. That's off, man. Amazing job. One of the biggest crossing movies in the country. And you guys are behind the soundtrack of that. Ah, good, man. Please share that more. Please Definitely. share that more. Yeah. Seriously, if you want to hire a PR guy, I think I might apply for the job. But <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding, man. I suck at that big time, man. I suck at that big time. But anyway, what's the plans? Uh, now that you have the brand new single out, it, yeah. is, uh, it was just released. Uh, it is called Slalu, right? Yeah. Salalu, um, and we basically we we are recording our album right now. It's a it started off as a thirteen track album, okay, uh, and then we sort of minimized it to ten, just you know to be safe because okay, the other three songs were a bit too ambitious, <laughs> and we realized <laughs> Bonus that track, Bonus yeah, track, yeah. but the cool thing about this track is we've got international collaborations. Uh, one oh. is with a hip hop group from uh, Michigan, from Chicago, sorry. Uh, okay. they, they're called The Microphone Misfits and they've got a full featured rap on one of our songs. Uh, that means nice. from, from start to finish, not, not you know, in between or whatever. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so that is one. Uh, we're collaborating with Cambodia's, who I don't know if she's number one, but she was number one and she's still number one to me, but uh, number one pop star, uh, Laura okay. Mum. Okay. And uh, on, on one song. And... Mm. We were collabor- We were. We did have a collaboration with this group in uh, Thailand called Asia Seven on a track. Okay. Yeah, but unfortunately, that track we're gonna delay the release a bit because that is gonna involve a lot of back and forth and flying them over for recording and things like that. And prior to this, it was COVID, so of course everything got delayed and things like that. So, so that song is gonna be delayed. Um, but yeah, we're really looking forward to this next album because. Um, we've struck a very nice balance in the songs whereby, yeah, previously our songs, if it's nine minutes, it's nine minutes. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, we've got one song called Senja, which is like the epitome of Nade, right? And that song is like eight, nine minutes long. And now with this album, what we've done is we've tried to keep them between four to six minutes, a bit okay. more concise, and then... If you want to see the rest of the five minutes of each song, you can come to our live shows. <laughs> ah, smart move, smart move. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, thought, I thought you'd do something like, you know, back in the days when CDs were still popular, 
uh, maybe records were still popular. You had all the track, and then you had that bonus track, which is uh, yeah, the extended yeah. version. You know, have you ever yeah. considered that? You know, we we, we in- actually did that in the first album. <laughs> the first album was a bit of a concept album, actually. Um, every song had sort of an intro and an outro, and okay. all of them flowed into each other. And then the outro of the song was the saxophone um, piece by that Adil did. Uh, you know the Inji Inji Samut. Yeah. Yeah, that their classic Malay. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So we did that saxophone version, lah, and then okay. it was quite quite um, apt because we started the album with Ikan Keke and then ended it with Inji Inji Samut. Oh. So, so for this album. Uh, you have to wait and see lah if there's going to be a, a bonus track. <laughs> okay, I'll look forward for that. And yeah. where we as can we estimate estimate this track to be out? This album to be out. The album should be out by the end of the year. Uh, but oh, we will be really yeah, but we will be releasing uh two other singles. Um, well, next single is an English single. It's called Lay with Me, and okay. then after that will be the the featured single of the album called Cahaya. Okay, so okay, okay. those two are coming out. Then Chaya drops with the album. Okay, yeah. okay, cool, man, cool. So in this particular album, the band members of this of Nadir, everyone is still intact. Everyone's still there. Yes. Or is there any yes. changes in that? All the same one. Uh, no, for the album, everyone is is still there. Uh, our singer Beverly, uh, Maya Bayu, migrated, right? She just migrated to Scotland recently. Uh, yeah. so we are in the process of getting a singer. But okay, that will okay. take a bit of time, lah. But in the meantime, we're still working on the album. She's still a big part of our family, and um, we'll move forward like that, lah. Yeah, I, mm. I, I honestly, I actually wanted to have a chat with Maya Bayu somewhere on last year. She was mm. supposed to be one of the early guests of the show. Mm. She stood me up, man. She said, "Yo, and never called me back again." <laughs> <laughs> I have I think, a chat. I think it's Cadilla. I think it's Cadilla. <laughs> look at the face like this, sending you like, "I want to talk to you on my podcast," you know. I think oh, bro, you look like a you look like a cuddly bear. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now only without that beard and long hair, But okay. But, that's our Indian Indian problems. Indian look lah. Just that's to, for me. Beard is just to cover the chubby face lah. That's about it lah. But anyway, same, same uh, but, hey, you look good, man. You look good. But uh, anyway, I'm looking forward for your album that's coming out in November. Uh, sorry, December. That is going to be an awesome track. Two singles uh, right before that. But in the meantime, for those listening to this particular podcast. Be sure to check out their latest single called "Sunlalu." It's a beautiful track, and check out all the other tracks. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to post links on uh, the, how you can listen to their music, watch the videos. Please check out the one, especially the Bonio uh, Jazz Festival the, or anything that returns jam session. You have to watch it, man. You have to watch it. I just like, oh man, why wasn't I there for this one, man? It's like live shows. I think is is mind blowing. So all the like I said earlier, all my buddies. Uh, the concert promoters, show guys, whatever, uh, get in touch with Nadir. Man. You got to get in touch with Nadir to have an awesome show on stage. It's going to be fantastic. So do check it out. Ashwin, thank you so much, man. Thank you so Thanks, much Nav. for taking the time and having a chat with me. I yeah. know I've taken so much of your time today. Uh, it's a pretty long chat. Good. Sure. sure. You're a busy man. <laughs> okay, you, got a, you got a very beautiful studio, man. Thank you, I tried. Thank you. I tried to set up my place, and I just ended up with one curtain in the back. Like that's about it. I'm do it. <laughs> if it works, not, it works, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not one of those guys who knows how to decorate stuff, so I suck at it big time. I'll leave that to my wife. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much, right. buddy. Uh, yes, and uh, make sure to share the music. Remember, share the music as much as possible. Subscribe to the channels, and uh, I'll see you in the next episode. Right? Have a great, great, great week ahead. Ciao. <laughs>